I believe God has a word for us today uh, that can bring great peace and freedom to our hearts, even in the most disadvantageous situations that we find ourselves in. Uh, but even more important, God tells us something to do here that will honor His name. It will keep His name from being dishonored, and positively it will honor His name and help advance the teaching, help advance the message of Jesus. So I'm, I'm talking specifically here about the instruction to honor those who are over us in some way as masters, as Paul says here in this passage, or in our culture it might be more applicable to employers. Paul addressed this to all who are under the yoke as bondservants or all who are under the yoke as slaves, basically the same thing. But in a general sense, it also shows us how to deal with life when we are under any kind of yoke. Many times we are in situations we simply do not want to be in, but we don't have any choice. We are under a yoke. And how we react when we are under the yoke has everything to do with whether we bring honor to God or not. But first, before we get into all that, we have to understand what was happening in the church uh, that made Paul feel he had to write this. One of the most shocking truths of Christianity is that all who believe in Jesus are family. All who believe in Jesus are brothers, as Paul puts it. God sends His Spirit into our hearts. He sends His Spirit into the heart of all who believe. We are spiritually attached to God as our Father, and at the same time, we are spiritually attached to one another as brothers and sisters. And no matter what our status is in the world, we share this equal privileged status in Christ and in the church. Galatians 3, 27 and 28, Paul said, All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In the first century, society was deeply divided by race, by gender, and especially by slave and free. It's been estimated that about half of the people in the Roman Empire were slaves, or a total of about 60 million people. And many slaves and masters got saved. So now because of this oneness in Christ, that we are family, that we are one, that we're uh, brothers and sisters, now because of this oneness in Christ, slaves and masters started coming to church together. Slaves and masters could sit with each other. Slaves and masters could sing together, worship together, serve one another with their spiritual gifts. The slave and the master are now brothers. 
The New Testament book of Philemon is, is about a, the entire book, which is just one chapter, but the, the book of Philemon is about a runaway slave named Onesimus who Paul led to Jesus Christ. Then Paul wrote to his former master, Philemon, who was now also saved, and he appealed to him to have Onesimus back no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother. Now, that would have been unthinkable in pagan Roman society, but now it became a reality in the church. We're all brothers. So today, right here in this church, what we call real-life church, right here in this church, our oneness in Jesus Christ must be lived out in our fellowship and the way that we treat each other and interact with each other. Here, in this place, we are one. Uh, the world categorizes people by possessions and power and popularity, but in the church, we come together as family, as equal heirs of the grace of life, as equal heirs of the grace of God. And yet, this beautiful truth, this beautiful truth could be twisted by some. And no doubt it was because Paul issues a strong warning here in verse 2. He says, those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Okay, we've got this wonderful truth that we're brothers. But Paul says, you must not be disrespectful on the ground that you are brothers. In other words, bond servants could use brotherhood in Jesus as a reason to defy their masters. Because you are my brother, I do not need to obey you or work hard for you or even treat you with respect. But Paul said, no, 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 that's, that's entirely wrong. Don't take this wonderful truth that we are all brothers in Jesus and start a rebellion. Rather, those who have believing masters must serve their masters all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and are beloved. So one way of thinking, which is the world's way of thinking or the way that we come at it from our natural mind, one way of thinking is to resent those who profit from our hard and long work, to mull over the inequity of the situation. The Christian, the Christ way of thinking, especially when another believer is involved, is I will bless the person that I work for by my hard and zealous work because they are my brother. I'm not going to disrespect them because they're my brother. I'm going to work hard for them. I'm going to be zealous in my work because they are my brother and fellow believer and they are beloved. In other words, I love them. I'm going to work hard for this person because I love them. Now, Paul is not promoting slavery here, he's, and he's not commanding Christians to be or to become slaves. In fact, uh, in, sec in uh, 
I can't remember if it's first or second. I think it's 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, Paul said, were you a slave when you were called? In other words, were you a slave when you got saved? If you were, don't let that trouble you or don't let that disturb you. But if you can become free, rather do that. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freed person. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. But Paul recognized the reality that many are under the yoke as bondservants. And he tells them how to, to live to the glory of God in that situation. He tells them how to live in such a way as to not dishonor God, to not dishonor the name of God, how to not dishonor the teaching of God, but how to live in a way that would glorify, please, and honor our Lord. And he is telling us, telling all believers, how to honor God in the midst of our sin-damaged, sin-broken, and at times very unfair world. Paul recognized the plight of being a slave. He recognized that it was not an easy thing to live in that situation. He recognized it as a situation you would not choose to be in. No one prefers to be under the yoke, but sometimes we are. For some here today, this morning, your work situation, while not a bondservant, masters exactly that situation, but still today, your work situation may not be ideal at all. Uh, some people in authority are harsh and unreasonable. Peter addressed that. Even when your employer or the person over you is reasonable, uh, the question often comes, at least in our own heart and mind, why am I the employee and why is this person over me? Why am I the employee and, and not the business owner? Uh, some people just seem to have all the advantages or gifts or the personality or whatever. And you just feel that you're in a situation of being under. You're just under. You may be under the yoke in some other situation of, in life with family members or hard circumstances that you cannot escape. Many Christians used to call, and I think some still do, but Christians used to call this a hard providence. You know, if you're, in a, if you're just in a situation that kind of God has his hand on you, that's where you are, you're under the yoke, you can't get out of it, they would call that a hard providence. Well, many of the situations in this world, many of the what we call hard providences of this world, will not be changed, will not be completely released from those until Christ comes back to rule in the new heavens and the new earth. And as we await that time, as we await that to happen, one way to ensure 
that we will not be happy in this life is to sort of internally keep demanding that everything be fair and fixed right now. The last time that we were with our uh, attorney, her name is Don, and she said, I always tell people life isn't fair. Fair is something you go to in the summer over on the east side of Des Moines. So we certainly work to change things for the better wherever we can, but we have to know how to live through the inequities of life. We have to learn how to live through times of being under the yoke. And specifically, the New Testament is saturated with commands to Christians to obey and honor masters or to submit and honor those over them in the Lord. And that's, that's one of the ways, one of the main ways that we honor God uh, when we are under the yoke. And again, I, I say the New Testament is saturated with instructions on that. You'll find it in Ephesians, Philippians, and Peter, a couple places in Timothy. Now, the first reason for that, for honoring those over us in authority, for honoring masters, Paul gives here. The first reason, which we've already looked at, is that in cases where the person over you is a believer, which is not all cases, but a common one, you don't disrespect him or her because he or she is a brother or sister. So that is the Christian perspective. This is the godly way of thinking that frees us from much resentment about the inequities of life, particularly in work situations where we have people over us that we must submit to. If we can benefit, so the Christian perspective again is if we can benefit another believer, even if we are in a hard spot ourselves, we will do that. And I think it's assumed from the way Paul wrote this that we will do that with gladness or contentment because our, our vision has changed. The way that we see life has changed. We see that person not just as a, a master or somebody over us. We, we see them as a believer. We see that they're a brother and beloved. We love them. But verse 1, which I'm going to skip back to now, verse 1 gives us another, and I would say, if not stronger, at least an equally strong reason for bearing up under the yoke and honoring those over us. Paul said, let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that... Okay, that's here, here we're going on. So there's a reason so that the name of God may not be spoken against or dishonored. Those who have uh, masters or employers or some kind of authority over them are to treat them with honor so that the name of God may not be dishonored. The way that we work for those over us, the way that we treat those over us directly affects what people think 
about the God we serve. Very few sins destroy our testimony more than defiance or laziness or carelessness in our work habits. Our tendency is to fret and stew over the fairness or lack of fairness in a situation, but our foremost concern is the honor of God's name. Our foremost concern is to live for the honor and glory of God no matter what our situation is. When the Holy Spirit enters our heart, He changes the cry of our heart from I am Lord to Jesus is Lord. He changes the cry of our heart from uh, to me, honor, honor be to me, but to no, honor go to the Lord. You know the psalm that says, not to us, but to your name be the glory and honor. And now that becomes the cry of our heart as newborn people. And this change of heart often involves a real inward tussle for us. I mean, we're talking about a really radical change of heart. Newborn people are newborn people. I mean, we are new creations. There's this really big change of heart. We are, we are moved from, become, from being totally absorbed with our own comfort and freedom and will to what will please and honor and glorify God. William Gurnell said that this change of heart cannot happen quietly. He said, can Christ be king in your heart and you not know it? Can one king, you, can one king be dethroned and another crowned in your soul and you hear no scuffle? Can you be taken down off of the throne of your life and Christ be put in your place as king and you not be aware that anything has happened to you? Of course, the answer is absolutely no. And so the question for every person is, has, has that happened? Has Christ been enthroned on your heart as master and Lord? Has has your heart been changed from a passion for your own honor, comfort, pleasure, ease, whatever, to primarily being concerned about the honor and praise of the Lord whom you love and serve? And it's only as we really want God's name to be honored, it's only become, if our, when our passion really becomes to honor God, it's only when we really want God's name to be honored above ourselves, above our own selves, that we can accept or even be content with submitting to those over us. Otherwise, we will live in a constant state of simmering discontent and resentment. It's only as we really want God's name to be honored that we can really learn to bear up un under the yoke in any situation. 
By choosing to live for the glory of God, a thousand problems are solved all at once. And living under any kind of yoke becomes a place to please the Lord. And so every day our, our basic prayer is, how can I honor you today? I mean, Paul, Paul, Paul taught us that we're, we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We are now temples of the Holy Spirit. And he said, you know, we, we live now to honor God. He said, therefore, honor God in your bodies. So Paul commanded uh, bondservants, slaves, to honor their masters out of concern for God's honor. Uh, again, we are here for him, for his name, for his pleasure and delight. And I'll tell you, it, it, sometimes it can just be a totally, totally radical, this 180 degree shift in our mindset because we, we get into this place where we're just absorbed with, am I happy? Am I pleased? Are things going well for me? And then it's like we wake up and it's like, oh, no, what about, is the Lord pleased? Is, is the Lord happy with how I'm living and responding? It's, I mean, certainly, we concerned about, certainly we're concerned about being happy. I'm not, I'm not talking about you know, some oppressive thing like that. But it's just, it, it's just that our, our concern to switch with, instead of being consumed with our own happiness, we're thinking, okay, is the Lord happy? Is the Lord honored? Is the Lord pleased? And it's just so freeing, freeing to, to live that way. Paul was captivated by a desire that Christ be exalted, whether by life or death, whether slave or free, in any and every circumstance, may Christ be lifted up. All right, third. Uh, third, Paul advises showing honor to masters so that the teaching of God would not be dishonored. All right? So the name, first of all, he, so the name of God would not be dishonored and the teaching would not be dishonored. The teaching of God would include all of the Word of God, but especially the core revelation from God that is found in Jesus Christ. Because of God's great love, which we sang about this morning, wow, what a wonderful time singing about the love of God. A couple of the songs were just wonderful. Because of God's great love, He sent His Son into the world to save us from wrath and to bring us into a status of peace and friendship with God. And we are here to, to, to protect and defend and honor that teaching. Amen. And we're not to do anything, not to express attitudes to the teaching of God. We're to do nothing to hinder or dishonor this gospel message. There's a lot of important things in life, but nothing is as important as the message of Christ. That God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. That is the message. That is the teaching that we're concerned about. It is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. So... Many times, we bear up under difficult situations just for the sake of the gospel, just for the sake 
of the gospel message. The fourth reason for honoring masters is not found in this passage, but Paul deals with uh, this so thoroughly in other, in other books too. We're going to pull some of that in here. Uh, from Ephesians chapter 6, uh, but the fourth reason for honoring masters is because there is re- eternal reward for doing so. Paul said, bond servants obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, you do the same. Stop threatening, knowing that, that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. No matter how hard or how humbling your situation may be, you will receive reward. It says, back from the Lord for doing what is good in that situation. And Paul gives that as one of the primary reasons for bond servants to, re- to honor, honor those over them. Again, I emphasize that, that section from Ephesians 6, 6, whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord whether he is bondservant or free. Whether you're in a good situation, whether you're in a great situation or a horrible situation, you will receive good back from the Lord for doing what is good in that situation. So instead of being consumed entirely about whether things are fair or not, Paul says, concern yourself with doing good, with pleasing the Lord, whatever your situation, for the sake of this eternal reward. Jesus said, Behold, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Revelation 22.12. And what, if you want, a, if you want a, a, pur, a, pur, a purpose for life, there it is right there. We're, we live for that, to, to please the Lord and to receive good back from Him. So we, we bear up under our yokes. We bear up under our diff, difficult situations, under our yoke, whether that be in an employment situation or something else. We do that. We bear up knowing Christ will reward us. Psalm 58.11, truly... There is a reward for the righteous. Do you believe that? The Bible doesn't say there will be a reward for those who have the most advantages in life. The Bible says there will be a reward for the righteous, for those who do good, regardless of how low or high, hard or easy their situation is in life. Jesus said many who are last in this world will will be first. Fifth, 
we are to look beyond the people and I would say even the circumstances in life to Jesus and make all of life about pleasing Him. Colossians 3, 23 and 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Vision 6, the part of the passage that we just read earlier, render your service with goodwill or eagerness as to the Lord, not to man. You know, of course, we don't dismiss people like they're nothing, but we, we, we live our lives with our eyes on Jesus. We live our lives unto Jesus. And until we do that, life, or excuse me, until we do that, submission will always be a bitter pill for us. Bearing up under any kind of yoke is made sweet by doing it as unto the Lord that we love. Amen. And that may seem impossible, but it really is possible. Then just in case anyone wonders if these are important issues or not, Paul clears up all doubt about that. He goes right on uh, to say, teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine that does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil, suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Now, I believe that those verses apply to everything Paul's written up to this point in the book of 1 Timothy. But it's interesting that it follows immediately this admonition to those who are under the yoke. Um, Paul is very concerned that we respond rightly as believers to those over us. So if anyone rebels, especially against other believers, and shows disrespect based on the teaching that we are of being brothers, then he is not in agreement with the words of our Lord Jesus Christ or with the teaching that accords with godliness. All right, just to wrap up this morning, I, I'm just going to, we've covered this. Uh, most of what I'm going to say right now is, is, is uh, wrap up or just re repeated emphasis for us to really apply these things. But, but here I think, I think are uh, some really core messages that God wants us to take home from this. Focus on the honor of God when you are under the yoke. Okay? Again, whether that's a slave master, employer, employee, uh, any kind of authority situation, but also just a hard providence when you're just under the yoke. Focus on the honor of God when you are under the yoke. And I, I'm not saying this morning that anyone should stay in an abusive situation. I mean, Paul himself said, if you can be free, get free. But our main concern is to conduct ourselves while we are under the yoke in a way that brings honor to the Lord 
and that we do nothing to hinder the gospel or to cause people to speak against the gospel message. And it is true, you're the, you and the way you live, in a sense, is the only gospel message that a lot of people see. And you're, you're, to, you're to live in a way that, that honors that message and doesn't uh, dishonor it in any way or cause it to be spoken against. Uh, number two, kind of summation point is most of our Christian life is lived in submission to someone. Uh, as an employee with an employer, uh, children with parents, wives, husbands. Paul even says we are to be subject to one another. You know, we, we, kinda we just kind of, we're to live life in this attitude of sub subjection um, to one another. Paul, Paul says, you know, outdo one another in showing honor to each other. And the Bible is clear that honoring those in a proper authority is a way that we honor God. Number three, this may seem totally obvious, but for some reason we, 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 we don't see this. And that is simply that we are not all in the same circumstances and we never will be. We all walk our own walk. We all run our own race. We all fight our own fight, in a sense. We do it together, but there's, there's, there's a, a uniqueness about each and every one of our lives. We, we all have our own blessings. We all have our own sufferings. We all have our, our own yokes that we deal with, that we live under. We're not all in the same circumstances. And we each glorify God by living for His glory through vastly different life situations. And we never should try to get our life situation the same as somebody else's life situation. God put you in your situation to glorify Him in your situation. And no one but you can glorify the Lord in your circumstances. This is one of the reasons that, that comparison with others is such a deadly distraction. Comparison with others is, a deadly, is deadly to our spiritual lives. And Paul said, we don't do it. We are not like those who class or compare ourselves with one another. He says that doing that shows that we are completely without understanding. And number four, no matter what you are going through, no matter how disadvantageous your life circumstances may seem to you, perhaps especially in light of what you see in somebody else, the ultimate, and I mean the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate blessings of life are yours in and through Christ. Amen. I mean, to have, to have the, the greatest blessings that this life affords is like being here. And 
the blessings that we have in Christ puts us all up here. And, and we need to think in, think in terms of that for our life. God has said, I will never leave you or ever forsake you so that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. And there's just this just kind of thing, hey, I don't, you know, no matter what I'm going through, I've got the Lord with me. The Lord is with me. He will never forsake me. And so I won't fear. I'll, I'll just, I'm going to confidently say the Lord is my helper. I won't fear. I won't be afraid. What can man do to me? I mean, it's just like, uh, no matter what the circumstances of life, no matter what people uh, might be saying or doing to me or what, what unfortunate or disadvantageous situation I might be in relationship with other people, you know, God has said, I, I will never leave you or forsake you. And so we boast about that. And so this, this great blessing of God's presence can never be taken from us, uh, no matter what we're going through. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. The Holy Spirit belongs to you as much as anyone in any circumstance. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. I mean, that's like the ultimate package that we get through salvation. And, and the Holy Spirit belongs to you as much as anyone. I don't care what their situation, how high or how low. You have the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with His love and joy and peace as much as anyone. And, of course, you are no longer under the wrath of God. But you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. I mean, these are the, these are the ultimate blessings of life. And we have an inheritance of unspeakable glory with Christ forever that Peter says can never be taken from us. It's indestructible. It will never fade away. So these are the realities that we need to fix our thoughts on as we, as we go through hard situations, whether it be in a, you know, in a work situation like we've talked about here, um, or whether we be in any other kind of hard circumstance or unfair circumstance, we need to fix our thoughts on these realities as we go through the very imperfect situations of life. And you know, what peace, uh, what peace and contentment and will, will flood our hearts really as we begin to think about life uh, in this way. Let's pray. Why don't we stand and pray?